Influencer, never call me that again. <laughs> my kids do that. My sons are like, Well, you know, you're an influencer. I'm like, Stop, don't. I'm not a fucking influencer. Shut your fucking cake hole. I'm a fucking author. I'm a small arms and tactics instructor. And a talk show host. And a talk show host. Yeah. And a producer and a writer. Uh, okay. I just went nuclear on this one. Are you rolling, Marty? Yeah, we're rolling, baby. We're, we're, okay. How about right, introducing us and starting this thing? Well, I just want to make sure everybody got the uh, shenanigans out of their system there. Shenanigans are always good, so. Shenanigans? Shenanigans. I think That's we the, got everybody, they've too. They've got the, the cheese sticks and all the shit on the walls. I think this is everybody we're going to have, so we'll get started. All right. So, Leadheads, welcome in to this month's edition of the Talking Lead AK Corner. We are bringing you all the AK Education this year, season five of the AK Corner, and uh, yeah, five baby, five, five years of the Talking Lead AK Corner, ten years of the Talking Lead Podcast. That's right. Ten and a half at this point. We're at our ten and a half year mark. What about student of the gun? How long you guys been rolling on the podcast? Same you've been as you. longer than that. You, you you got like two months on us. I beat you by two months. Yep. But you were doing TV we're, stuff prior to that, weren't you? Yeah, I started TV in 2010, 2011. Yeah, so you've been doing it longer, longer than I have. So that voice you hear, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than the pimp hand of America himself, Professor Paul Markle. Join us. So you, you know it's going to be a good episode with, with Paul on here. Also joining us is my co-host, because he, he's been on uh, more than not this season, is our good buddy, author, AK expert, former Spetsnaz, Marco Vorbiff, ladies and gentlemen. Marco, welcome in. Hey, nice to be here again. I'm becoming the regular. Did you do some uh, some bacon shots before you got on? What kind of shots? Some some bacon. Remember we did the the vodka bacon. Bacon shots? vodka. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but we can do it while we. Well, I can do it while we progress into the podcast. Oh, there you go. There you go. I've got. But yeah, it's a, a bacon vodka that's actually distilled by uh, Ugly Dog Distillery out of Chelsea, Michigan, which is only uh, about ten miles away from here. Nice. And uh, so you drink it at. It's like uh, you take it down like a uh, low quality vodka, but it comes back as if you just ate a pack of bacon. It was good. <laughs> I, I can attest to that. Do they oh, yeah, s- we hit it at NRA, didn't we? Yes, we did. We had that. Uh, we had like four different ones. Yeah, we had the top of the line one, and then we had the. Didn't we have the cucumber too? Yeah, oh. we had the cucumber. We had the kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> And there was another, I can't remember what it was, but they were all uh, high quality. I ended up with a a bottle. There's this uh, amazing, uh, Marco's amazing alcoholic adventure during the SHOT Show or NRA. 
I always bring like four or five different flasks. And they are always yeah. welcome too. So don't stop that tradition. No, I'm not. I'm not intending to. So we'll continue as long as I can walk. So this is kind of an NRA reunion here too, because also joining us, we've got our good friend, longtime uh, friend and, and guest of the show, uh, probably since almost the beginning, Joe Mo with Atlas Defense, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yeah, Appreciate I guess I, I usually bring bourbon to NRA and SHOT Show events. So I'll bring several bottles of bourbon. I think we should have like designated days. So one day's vodka, bourbon one day. day's bourbon, one day's tequila. That's interesting, Joe, because I didn't get any bourbon from you this year. I didn't bring any this year. Ah. Well, actually, I did. I did the SHOT Show. I didn't, I didn't bring it to NRA. Cause I mm. flew to I flew to NRA. Yeah, that makes it. A little and I, we normally drive, um, but flew up and flew down. I well, just pack it in a in a suitcase and uh, check it in. I usually do, like I do normally. You can get it duty We're free. Checking, at I'm usually checking heavy. Are we do? What take, NRA? Take this underwear. Bring more vodka. You know, I always say. <laughs> Where's NRA next year? Atlanta? Really? I think, I think it is. I'm not, I think it's Atlanta. Marco, can you turn your volume up a little bit on your end? Please. A little Let's bit, see. A little bit softer than the, the other guys. So this episode, Leadheads, uh, or if you didn't listen to the last episode, make sure you go to uh, the last episode. And Paul, were you on the last episode? Oh, no, that, I was not. No, that's the one that we did with uh, Marco and CJ, Pioneer Arms, when we did the, the interview with them. And we had Mike Myers with M&M Industries. Uh, oh, yeah, you did that one. You recorded that one. From NRA. Is that the, at the NRA? Yeah. So that was our last episode. So I, I kind of made an AK Corner episode out of that one because it was chock full the, of good, good The AK. one before that was just you and I. Just you and I. Not a song, wasn't it? Just you and I. The, the AK quarter. I think the very first episode this of this season was was us. There you go. Because we did uh, we did the East German AK prior to to the uh, NRA. That was a good episode. Had a, had a fun time doing that episode. So this one uh, we've designated a country, and we're going to do the Romanian AK in this episode. So we're going to talk. All things Romanian AK. I made a post, or actually Evan made a post for me, asking for your questions, and uh, we'll go go through your listener questions. Um, if we don't address them during the main part, then we'll hit them at the end with the listener questions. And we're going to be giving away some awesome stuff from our sponsors. We've got Mission First Tactical, who make our awesome dump trays uh, with our logo on there. Uh, I think we're actually going to be giving away some AK grips because they make AK grips at Mission First Tactical. And I've got uh, several of my AKs back there that have those grips on them. Uh, they're really nice. I like them. They're some of my favorite AK grips. So we'll be giving away a set of those. We'll be giving away uh, SEAL 1, a complete gun cleaning kit from SEAL 1. SEAL 1 and done. Uh, works great on AKs, keeps the corrosion away. Uh, and then we're also going to be giving away, there was something else. Uh, I can't remember what it is now, but 
Are you, you going to give away that? No. <laughs> Joe? <laughs> Joe's holding up an AK. Oh. Uh, you want to give away a can? A can? Yeah. Like a silencer? Yeah. Yeah. No, a can of Bud Light. <laughs> this episode, you want to do that to one of our listeners? Dude, I've got a great Bud Light story. Okay, we'll talk about that. All right, so yeah. I guess we're going to give away an, an Atlas Defense can. So, yeah. boom. <laughs> there you go. So, our listeners... giving away stuff. I'm like, I figure... The luckiest hey. listeners alive. Uh, yeah. Could use one for, for these. We'll come up with some cool trivia question or something. Okay. However you want to do it. I mean, it's your, your can Favorite to give away. Question. So, there you go, listeners. The Romanian AK... M. I don't think they have an AK-47, do they, Marco? Did they ever make no, a No, they don't. No, they don't. And uh, they didn't call it. They did designate it. So the gun was developed and then subsequently adopted, uh, developed in 63 and adopted in 65. And it was designated by the uh, Cougar factory as PM-63. PM-63? Yeah, hence the PM63 from Poland. <laughs> but no, I'm saying that was the a copy of a, a Soviet AKM. If anybody wants to uh, take over the history of this thing, you're welcome to in, you know interject well, anytime you, you want. You kick to. us off, and then we'll we'll add to it as you go. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so because yeah, you did write didn't the, have the uh, AK47s per se, the milled receiver. Uh, variants. So they went in in 1963, obviously joining the Warsaw Pact. Uh, they were going to standardize on the equipment on uh, small arms in particular. And then they, uh, so the Soviets uh, afforded them, I guess, license, if you can say it. But they just basically um, helped them to develop their own AKMs. So thus, because they had a, a gun building um, capability. Russians didn't want to build the guns for all the gun block and the countries that have the capability, firearm building capabilities, they simply help them with equipment and basically, uh, you know, give them the blueprints and all that. And then they established the quality control controlled by Soviet engineers and uh, for time being until they would kick into production. And then, of course, they uh, um, cut them loose and let them do it on their own. So. The gun was being, uh, had been um, supplied to Romanian uh, military, uh, started to be supplied in 1965, designated as PM-63, as we know today as Wasser. The Wasser, which, can you say that? What it, uh, what Wasser? <laughs> Hang on, I can probably. Wassenar Arrangement Semi-Automatic Rifles. Wassenaar, W A S S E N A A R. Yeah, Wassenaar arrangement semi-automatic rifles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's how it's. I guess it's uh, anglicized. And what what was Wassenaar? Is that a a town or something? Uh, um, no, it was always done in Kugir. Kugir is the factory. Um, I don't know. I don't. You know, Romanian language is a mystery to me. I I don't. I don't think I know a single word Does it translate in Romanian, Russian? even uh, simple as, uh, you know, <laughs> hello and goodbye. But um, like, for example, uh, uh, PSL, right? Uh, PSL stands for Pushka 
semi-automat Tuneska, right? Pushka is, uh, in Russian, Pushka is, means a cannon or something that fires, right? Oh, I thought Firearm. it meant something else. Right. Pushka. Semi-automatic is uh, obviously semi-automatic. And Lunesta is a reference to uh, the moon, right? The lunar. Lunesta is something that telescope to look at the moon. Ah. So PSL was a semi-automatic rifle scoped. Ah. So maybe it's uh, the same... Uh, you know, I mean, we can type it in and uh, in the Google not. Translate see what it tells you. That, that's what our listeners can do. They can they can go and do that. Um, <laughs> I think Wasser is good enough for our our conversation. <laughs> so. Right. Although, you know, I mean, there was a time when um, they took those guns, and um, back in the nineties, and all of you guys probably remember when we had the influx of those Romac ones and Romac twos and Romac threes, and uh, uh, so basically, it's commercialized uh, AKM version in two different calibers. Although the weirdest out of three, obviously the Romac three was the PSL gun, which is um, the RPK based, um, I guess, sniper rifle, yeah. um, or their version of it, uh, sniper rifle with the uh, you know, chambered and seven six two by fifty four R. But the Romac II was the weirdest out of the pack. And the reason for that, it was AKM with all the tents and purposes chambered and 545. And if they would have just left it alone as far as like the charging handle is concerned in the front uh, front side post of block, it would have been a really good gun. But they did something. Yeah, there you go. So Paul's got one. So Paul's got one. And uh, the the Romac two had this weird, nice. almost looks like a cast it in the beach sand somewhere in the beaches of uh, Black Sea, a front side post. It was all misshapen and stuff. And they had a interesting charging handle because that was first of all sharpened to the point and it was then forty five degrees up. Do you guys remember those? No, I All muted right. well, Paul anyway, because he so was that... he was making so much noise there. Paul, you can unmute yourself. Oh, okay. Chair, like chair scrape. The chair scrape. No, I just muted Paul because he was making a lot of noise there. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway, yeah. So and then the washer reappeared. I guess Century was bringing them in in mass the time and uh, and those wassers were you know i mean at the same time there were some muddies coming in from egypt and uh you know when if you would join any kind of board and then, then i basically stopped participating in any kind of forums because i caught myself surrounded by outright gun whiners you know those uh the winos that constantly something is wrong with the gun it's not them. It, they can't hit anything. It's not them. It's the gun. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, this is crooked. This is crooked. And then you have to, and then you got all these purists and stuff who would say, oh, my rivet is not rounded up to a certain radius. So it's got to be a piece of shit gun. And, uh, you know, so um, key thing to realize here is, of course, uh, in the 90s, as the Romania 
got away from the Soviet from com block. Hold on. Who's who's doing that? I get that. Somebody's trying to get me. me. <laughs> okay. Um what's going on now? I'm in uh No, I've just yeah. I just shared my screen, so keep you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. So anyway, and um gotta realize that they uh Obviously, they kept the best guns for themselves from military while they were, you know, transitioning into NATO and all that stuff. But um, uh, the factory said now they found themselves that Kugir factory could not was not needed because they were going to switch to uh, NATO uh, standard firearms, right? Full arms, and uh, so they kind of re. Um, oriented themselves towards commercial market retooled them right well i don't know but retooling is just they probably did not want to invest a lot of money into retooling and then they um, start producing the guns again in the good numbers because there was a demand for them in the u.s uh on the same old worn out equipment so you would see a maybe a little cant in the in the um a front side of gas block you'd see uh the rivets of a wrong uh, diameter heads and things like that but uh in all in all it was a functioning gun um so in the research yeah. that i've done and you know you're talking about the different variations you know things not being tip top um is their magazine well you know instead of the dimples they put in spacers um, for that, and those spacers weren't always um, the same. They weren't of the same thickness. Yeah. But guess, guess who else did that? Who else did that? Freaking Ishmash did that. Ishmash did. In the early Segas that they brought in, yeah, there, that, was, there was no dimples. Go, That's all import. That was import restrictions because of the ten rounder, so they couldn't really put the dimples. So a lot of those, when those guns come in, that's why it's called the Wasser Ten. Because it comes in with a single stack 10 round magazine and they cut them out. We used to actually do that a long time ago. We used to we used to do the conversions for uh, a bunch of different companies. But they'd come in, we'd have a jig, we'd mill them out. And then customers that ended up with washer tins would do that. But that is one of the big um, complaints that people had on the early washer tins. I haven't seen a washer tin come in without dimples in recent memory at all. Yeah, right, they're, they're and oh, there's now. one right there. Paul is showing it. But see, the thing is, like, I mean, a, a positive thing about it is that um, um, they listen, right? So the the Russians listened with their sagas, and then their next when they got the negative feedback that they everybody wanted the dimples, so they start sending them with the dimples, and the same with the Wasser Ten and the later, um, in the later, uh, I guess, import batches they would have they would have dimples on them already yeah but i was trying to get on the unmute myself. Well, this one actually is not that old of a gun i've only had this for about five years that's an underfolder gun though so yeah yeah, this is later. yeah it took them later on those because there was less of them sold and they also you could see yeah you could see an early uh traits uh, manufacturing traits in that gun like for example the the semi-tubular um stock right it's not yes. like a, 
you know, so it's so the old a, pattern this, design, you know, old pattern gun. This is That's a newer one right here. Shelf for 20 years. The one that I have here is a newer one. And uh, what I was told is, you know, there's ones that's made for the military and there's ones made for commercial use that come out of the Cougier. Um, this one, I think this one was for the, this was a military one and it doesn't have the dimples and it's got the, it has the spacers in it. I was showing it there earlier. Look at um, that. Yep. So. That's a Wasser 10 marked gun. Yeah, this is a. Trying to see. Yeah, Romania Cougier. Wasser ten, and then this one. This one's out of whatever the uh, military uh, portion of that factory is. Hey, we a, have a special guest almost joining us. Here, Lamar. Another one. Almost. Hey! What's up, Zach? Oh, how much, man? Nova Module. Nova Module. That's what I was trying to come up with. So, hey, look in the mag. Look at the magwell. The edge of the magwell of that other gun, uh -huh. and see if it's got fresh metal or if it's parked. Let's see. In the uh, the spacers. The edge. No, the edge of the steel. Well, the spacers will be cut too, but in the magwell itself. Just right on the bottom where the mag inserts in. Yeah. There you go. Look at the edge of the metal. Okay. Like here. If it's shiny enough, if it's right finished, here. It'll finished. Yeah. On the there. inside. See if it's parked or if it's silver. It's parked. I came in as an original double stack gun then. The spacer. Uh, the spacer is not though. The top of the spacer. Maybe gunsmith actually went to. Uh, uh, the trouble to refinish it, maybe. Something. No, that's that's one of the guns they're starting to push on. So the magwell itself is cut to proper size, but those little blocks are cut to the washer tin width. So all they have to go in there now is just open up those two little bars. So that's that's why they're doing that because that's a quick, easy thing rather than having to punch out and cut out that whole magwell. I thought I might have had a single stack receiver here somewhere uh we ended up with a bunch of single stack receivers eight or ten years ago and just haven't really wanted to mess with it what about the gun behind your head there on the wall that is with the that's, a, on it. that's a romanian g uh original barrel kit i want to say i tried to see what it was earlier that's a 78 uh, so it's a real nice, real, real nice gun. Real pretty before the machines started getting worn out and uh, chip tooling and all the other stuff. So that's a real nice gun. That's a kit built uh, that we did probably 10 years ago mm. and came out of a collection. And uh, we're, doing a, we're doing a sale on that. Um, just similar to this, this is, this is a G kit too. For some reason, they cleaned the orange out of it. I don't, I, for the life of me, I, I don't know why they did that. Uh, but this is a 1980s gun, and you can see the G's as time progresses. They just get rougher and rougher. This is an 82, and you can tell by the G's, too. The G's look almost machine cut early, oh, what are the and G's? as time progressed, those G's just started getting sloppier and sloppier. Some of them I've seen look like sixes. What are the G's, Joe? 
Uh, the G's were the Romanian guard guns. They were originally intended as semi-auto guns for, I guess, kind of their National Guard. Mm-hmm. And they ran those up until 87, 88, whenever they started transitioning to the 545 guns. Uh, but they are, they are the kit to get. If you want to build an AK, uh, they are the kit to get because they are military parts, but they never had machine gun parts in them, so they were never beat to hell. They were never trained with a lot. Uh, barrels are real good condition, and when they started getting imported, they came in with full barrels. Uh, so they're they're very well taken care of guns uh, in most cases because the guard guys, the, the people that were in the guard, took really, really good care of them, and they didn't get shot much at all. So if you can get one of the original Romy Gs, um, those are those used to be $69, $99 coming in. Now an original Romanian G kit, I'm I would wager to say it's probably hovering around seven hundred bucks now. Yeah. So what, no, um, what Joe's talking about are the markings. Are you just disappointed? Uh, yeah. American money used to be worth so much in the foreign former Soviet Union. Yeah. Well, a lot of that, too, is remember the original barrel guns, because we can't import the barrel guns. You can still get Romanian G-kits every once in a while, but they're cut or depopulated barrels. The original barrel kits like this, like this one and, and this one, this is actually my personal kit that we're in the process of building a batch of Romy Gs. Those original barrel guns are worth much, much more now to collector value. Because I mean they're they're 100 original, other than U.S. compliance parts. Well, look at look at the the. Speaking of washers, if if I if I may, uh, when I first got into the washer 10, it was the discount gun. It was the cheap gun. It was the entry level gun. It, it was the red child gun. Yeah, it was like screaming fire sales, 299, you know, 349, stuff like that. Uh, you look at them now. Where, where are they? Nine fifty nine, yeah, eight ninety nine, yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, I know that, that we're not pimping Century, but to, to their credit, they sent Steve Kahaya over to the former Soviet Union with a checkbook, and he went around there and he found crazy stuff. Joe, you remember the old Century catalogs from like fifteen years ago? With the PKs and the you know the semi-auto, what, what's the yeah. the dish the semi-auto dish dishkas yeah the dishkas the semi-auto dishkas and and that was Steve he would go over there and he would he would hunt Romania former Yugoslavia and, and Czech Republic and he knew all the generals he was like homeboys and and the generals would be like hey come over here let's look in this conic box and see what we've got. And he had American dollars, and we didn't. American consumers were so freaking spoiled; we had no idea the deals that we were getting. Yeah, remember when they were bringing in setmes, and you give them three hundred bucks? Yeah, three hundred and forty-nine dollars for a setme. And I remember walking into a gun shop and seeing that, and asking the owner, "What's wrong with this gun?" Yeah, and he's just, like, "There's nothing wrong with it. Why?" I said, "It's just ignorance." Why is it only three hundred fifty-nine dollars? People didn't. It's know. not HK. 
If people didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's a good deal. Yeah. Try, try and find a, an original hardwood stock semi today. And, you know, we're not talking 50 years ago. We're talking 20. Uh, so it, 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 it tickles me that when, when Century was bringing in washers, everyone's like, ah, oh, they're junk, they're garbage, they're, you know, they're pieces of crap. And I can say shit, right, Marty? They're pieces of shit, blah, 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 blah. And so what did Century do? They said, okay, well, we'll make a made-in-the-USA gun. And then they started making them, and bless their hearts, the first ones were, uh, well, they were what they Very were. questionable. Yeah. yeah, so they were special. Uh, and then people are like, oh, the American-made guns are pieces of shit. I'd rather have a washer. And I'm like, you motherfuckers were the same bitches crying 10 years ago that washers were garbage. And now you're like, no, I'd rather have a washer than a, than a, a whatever, a Visca or a, you know. It's like, At the time, Centurion or something, when the yeah the was still there. Yeah. They made a field receiver gun. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And also at the same time, we like we don't appreciate what we had at one point, where we had a, hun a Hungarian guns guns coming in, we had uh, Egyptian Mahdi's coming in, and but at the same time, if you remember, well, there were all kinds of kids rolling in, right? FAOs, Bulgarian, Russian, all kinds of kids, and RPDs, all this. Uh, uh, now that AK is kind of uh, perme permeated the. Uh, uh, or proliferated, I guess, the U.S. market, and everybody now, when they say AR, they mean they also mean AK and so on and so on. Back then, it was like this purest kind of collector circuit that wanted to get authentic guns. So it needed like a the James Fuller type uh, uh, gun, Mark Crabs gunsmiths when they were building them out of kids and stuff. And then they were dumping their noses, everybody, at this ah, piece of shit Wasser or piece of shit Marty and stuff. And now all of a sudden, like you said, they, they bring in a thousand dollars if you can find, you know, if, well, you, you know, you can find them. But uh, yeah, at the time it was like, nah, I, I much rather have Mark. I, I know somebody who picked up an Egyptian Marty from a dude for 300 bucks because he needed money. And 20, 20 some, 30 years ago. Oh, and, those were the original Muddies. Yeah. Uh, like 93 time frame. Yeah, yeah. 92, 93. Yeah. He on a pistol with it. He said he had to make a bid. People who say Muddy is a piece of shit are idiots. No, I mean, we should do a, a uh, I mean, were, episode on the Muddy. Build under uh, supervision from. The, the sheet metal all the way until it comes out as a gun by the Soviets. It's they, they got uh, they when the Soviet Union fell apart, that's when they kind of got left to their device, and that's when they started produce somewhat like substandard modis. But early modis, like you said, in the 90s, were I wish I had 10 right now, 20 maybe. You know, I mean, I had I, I worked at the um plant in uh. Um, in Montgomery, Alabama, we're building uh, truck maintenance equipment. And our uh, uh, PR person, as he was a photographer, would put brochures together and stuff. Forgot his name, but uh, he scored one in one of the pawn shops for like $400. Mm. And at the time, I was like, really? You could probably buy a kit and this and this. 
And then two years later, when I was leaving the company, going across the street, so to speak, I was like, sell me this. He goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried, I tried to sweeten the deal and throw like a, the AK-56S or whatever it was, that Chinese thing. And, uh, and, and cash and goes, no. You know, like, 10 nope. years from now, people are going to be saying the same thing about the, the prices of AKs now. It's like, I should have bought it then, even though we yeah. think they're just like ridiculous and, you know, overpriced. I mean, you know, look at the kits, you know, Joe was saying, I mean, some of the kits are, uh, some of the lower kits. I mean, I don't think I've seen any cheaper than, you know, $600 just for, you know, one of the cheaper, uh, build kits. Yeah. You- the, yeah, you want to get crazy, go on gun broker and check out those kits. Yeah. I Ish, mean, the kits like, are like $1,500 for a... Any of the original SBR style kits, any of the cranks or Aimer 74, 76s. Yeah. Two grand, no problem. Just for a kit. Yeah. And, it might be, and you're lucky if you get a barrel. People are paying it, too, because they know to... These are the good old days. Isn't that what James used to say? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we we've got we are to, in the I good old what, days. Young young people who are listening, you've got to understand these are you're living in the good old days. You know the, that PS this PSL, Joe, you remember this? So, yeah. Was it like five years ago? Then when they uh, when they brought them in, and they were seventeen ninety nine with a scope. And I thought you were about the, to say like eleven ninety nine. I was thinking about eight years ago. Yeah. Well, the. The, the the century PSLs when they when yeah. they brought them in with scopes and it was like it was like seventeen ninety nine and and American crybabies were like oh that's way too much blah 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 okay today they're twenty four hundred ninety nine dollars with no scope now twenty five hundred no scope yeah no optic yeah five years later you know they and, might and, be uh, still one hundred and twenty dollars each. Yeah, well, the uh, and the scopes are what are hard to find because these are the original. What are they? The P four, P one. What's the model on this? Marco, it's the. Yep, it's so many different variants for those things. Yeah, but this one, this one, yeah, this one's got the uh, the actual functioning red crosshair. Is that is that the the original scope that came on it, or it's a Russian scope? This is a Russian scope. Yeah, it's a it's. See those little uh, caps over the turrets? Yeah. That would be the newer commercial version of it. Yeah. And also, they already modified it with the red uh, LED and that extended uh, little cap on the battery compartment to accommodate the AA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that would be probably, if I had to guess, it's either, uh, it's probably a Belomo, which is the Belarusian scope. Which is now used by a military anyway. Well, is it, is it the P4? PO4? I think it's a PSL 1P1 uh, or something like that, or P2 or something. It's it's the commercial thing, you know, when they start, uh, when the, the military moved on, so to speak, and they were faced with the uh, either closure or... or or doing some for commercial market, yeah. And they start making those, and uh, again, people complain like, uh, and I don't know who is doing this shit. 
Oh, when you carry a gun and your turrets are rubbing against your gear or your shoulder, then you get your freaking, you know, you lose your zero. Well, if that's the case, well, if they do move, you get to where you go and set them back to zero on your on your little scales there, and you're back in business. But then they said, well, put the caps over them to protect them from, uh, yeah. From Americans to protect them from yeah. Americans. <laughs> well, the, the the reticle, the ranging reticle is actually not bad. Not bad. I like, yeah. I like so the reticle. those things. I, yeah. I, I, when, once I got it zeroed at the range, I was able to just hold over at one, two, three, four hundred meters um, without any issue. Yeah, that's what I do actually. So I go to those little. Um, uh, chevrons, upside down chevrons, and then they, the gradation on it is 10, I mean, uh, 100 meter increments. But you can also do the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 on, the, on, your, uh, on your elevation turret. Yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's just a matter of getting used to it. It's a PSO-1, yeah. So it's just a matter of getting used to the, uh, that's the reticle in mind right there that you're pointing at, Marty. Um, it's just a matter of getting used to it. Yeah, but if you know how to use it properly and you know what the value of each hash mark is, whether it's horizontal or vertical ones. So although you already got the check, uh, a choke type of uh, rangefinder, right? But uh, you can, uh, George, you know, look at the, uh, let's say a car, right? A sedan. And you know how far, I mean, how big the sedan is, what is it, 10 10 to 12 feet or something. And so you can judge that distance using your um, little hash marks on the, you know, from uh, the center several, the Chevron to uh, number 10. And then you can calculate um, a similar calculation as you would do in the regular military uh, binoculars. <clears throat> and, uh, and then you just, uh, you know, would find out how far you are from the target. Nice. So, I mean, this is a very useful radical. And then when it came out, you got to realize it was 1963 when they came up with this thing. Well, that could be a whole other good uh, episode that we do is the uh, the PSL. So let's get back to the Romanian um, AK. Let's talk about how to well, identify one. How what? How to identify a Romanian AK. How, how to know you've got one. Joe showed one. Um, way to do it there, a uh, different version of it with the marked with the G, and that's the guard. You know, their guard had had those versions well, of them. I don't know if you can see that. Hold on, I don't have my uh camera on you. Stand by. All right, and what are you showing us, Joe? All right, so that's a new this is kind of one of the newer, it's not really the the arsenal mark, but it's what the newer ones are coming in, the ROAs. Mm hmm. But the old arsenal mark, so this really, the G isn't really an arsenal mark. It is, but it's not from the arsenal. It's not the arsenal. Uh, it was put on to designate there was a guard gun. Yeah. And the but G the that he's talking about for our non-viewing audience, he is he is on the uh, the sight tower. Yep, and the rear trunnion. The rear trunnion, um, yeah. So the triangle there. The front trunnion, you mean? Yeah. Front trunnion here. Sight tower with the G. Mm -hmm. um, but this would be the arsenal mark for identification on some of the, on the older Romy kits. Yeah, so to triangle. describe it, it's a uh, triangle pointed up, 
with an arrow, but not rewind, uh, refined arrows here, Mark. Just a straight up arrow with the, uh, I guess, without the fledging. Does that yeah. one have an you arrow? See a lot without, you see a lot without the arrow, just the, just the triangle. Oh. And I'm not sure what the variations are on that, but I've seen it both ways. So the triangle with the arrow, there's the triangle with no arrow, and then you've got a triangle that's got kind of a rounded bottom um, with an 11 in it is another yeah, that's identifier. Yeah, yeah, that's... The 11. Circle 11 is. is no, uh, it's not circle different. 11. Okay. That's circle 11. That's not what I'm talking about. There's. Here, I'm going to show you show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you. Triangle with an 11. Yeah, that's. I never heard anything it's, like this. It's a triangle. It's got a. See the, the rounded uh, bottom? And it's got an 11 in it. So. And I'm on, and you guys can go to Factory 47's website under their blog, and they've got like uh, a nice little uh, write-up on the markings on this. Uh, and I'm just going to read what he's got right here. So the markings on the rifle are the most effective way to properly identify its origin, most specifically on the front trunnion, which is what Joe is showing us there. Uh, all Romanian-manufactured AKs will feature a triangle stamped in the trunnion. This triangle will either be blank in the center which uh, Joe showed us there, have a small arrow pointing up, which is what this one is showing us here in the picture uh, that I've got for a viewing audience. Uh, and the, the triangle indicates that the trunnion was manufactured in the Cougier factory and was approved for mil-spec production after inspection. The arrow in the middle of the triangle was part of the original Cougier markings but was dropped to help identify parts manufactured for the 545 chambering. There are rare cases where the triangle is missing on trunnions manufactured after the 1980s, but these are very uncommon and were built for civilian circulation. Even more rare are variations to the triangle, such as the curved bottom one with the number 11 stamped inside. These would have been manufactured by the Carfill arsenal and were meant only for military use. So Dude, frankly, I've as long as I've been doing this, I've never seen that arsenal mark. That is super rare. Yeah, super duper rare. Huh. So if you guys run across one of those, you know you got something there. Oh, here's the so there's the triangle oh. with arrow in it. Let me uh, go switch here. Okay. So that's but on the front trunnion. Yeah, it might be a little better. But don't let it confuse you with the triangle with a full arrow. With the fletchings? Like Marco was saying, if it has fletching, that would be the that would be the Russian factory. Yeah. So I've got, I don't know if we can see these here on my cup or not. There's the, the one Marco's talking yeah, about. Yeah. Keep rotating, rotate. Yep, right there. Yep, that's it. And there's, there's Except the, the, Romanian. the arrow is a little bit more rudimentary. Yeah. I mean, as if it was electrical pencil or something. Not as defined. Yeah. But like I said, you guys want a, a good picture of that? Uh, if you're not watching this video, go to Factory 47's website under their blog, under the Romanian, and he's got some nice pictures there uh, for those markings. Uh, also, another thing that the Romanians did, Marco, I think you were 
you were getting into it were the dongs. You were talking about the dongs. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's almost like the uh, the designated feature on a Romanian guns only. Which the idea of a front vertical grip, um, obviously now just about everybody who's got the AR or modern AK got one of those things on the gun. Well, majority of people. And uh, so uh, at that time, the Soviets obviously didn't want to do it because they would uh, think that, uh, you know, it would interfere with, you know, laying the gun, let's say, uh, somewhere on the, on something to provide stability. And they also didn't want to use, yeah, they, won't, they didn't want to use it as a monopod. So the Romanians told otherwise, and then they came up with this design, and uh, then they ran into a problem with the underfolder, and uh, uh, because it would not clear that curved design, so they reversed the design of that. I don't know if Joey has one of those. I don't have a reverse dong here. Literally looked terrible, quite honestly, if I had to <laughs> say so. It looked excited, uh, but it, nevertheless, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's one of the features that is. Um, you could identify a military-grade uh, Romanian AKM variant. Nice. So this little, this portion here that swung forward. So when they, they originally put it on, they had to swing it forward because of the because of the magazine putting the magazine in. And then with the underfolder, oops! Now the now it's in the way of the underfolder. So they basically took this, left it here, and then just did this. Like it's terrible looking. But round, round it was an the reverse. This is the dong, and then the other one is the reverse dong. And the and the other one is a donkey dong. And that's what they call it—a donkey <laughs> dong. They call it that. I don't know if they do. I just came up with it. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's what they call it. <laughs> donkey dong. The donkey dong. Yeah. Introducing our new belly band holster. Whether you're hitting the gym or running a quick errand, our belly band is one of the most comfortable and safest ways to carry your firearm. The center section allows you to carry most common pistols. Left or right-handed, this has you covered. A hard laminate trigger shield protects the firearm's trigger from unwanted intrusion, giving you ease of mind while carrying every day. Two elastic sleeves give you the flexibility to carry other everyday items, such as spare mats, flashlight, knife, or pepper spray. Two zippered pockets run on both sides, offering the option to carry smaller items such as money, cards, or keys. Flush fit on your lower back or waist, easily keeping your setup discreet no matter how you choose to carry. Utilizing 3D spacer mesh, these channels allow for exceptional and efficient airflow, giving you maximum comfort and keeping you cool. Carry whenever you want, how you want, with our new belly band holster. Available now. Go to missionfirsttactical.com, use the code LEADHEAD for an exclusive listener-only 20% discount. Um, but back to, uh, you were talking about the G. Uh, he's got a write-up on the G, too. He said, another common marking on the Romanian AKMs is the G marking stamped on the rear sight base. This signifies that the rifle was produced for the Romanian National Guard, like you pointed out. Uh, they can often identify if your AKM was an early or late production based on the quality of this stamp. 
Early <laughs> rifles will have a very cleanly stamped colored G, which I think you showed one of those, while yep. later rifles tend to have a much messier G with a hastily color, uh, completed color field. And uh, for a video audience, Joe gave two great examples of those. They're actually roto-engraved. Like some somebody with a really steady hand engraves those with a rotary tool. Wow. I don't know if you, you can think, see the rotary. You think those Gs? Yeah. Look at that. 100%. Let's see. Um, even the really nice ones, the ones that look perfect, if you get that paint out of there, you can actually see the, the rotary of it where a rotary cutter did it. And you can, I don't know. Can you see that, Marty? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, you see the can you see the rotary cuttings in it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see where they've... they've they started, it up there. they finished with the little dimple in there. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are beautiful, like a beautiful, perfect G, and some of them are just terrible. Uh, and then they just kind of mirrored... Some lipstick in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that Notice you see the downturn around 1980-81, and if I remember correctly, I think there was some there was a con civil conflict or something about that time, and then the uh, just went to hell. What are you pulling off the wall? What's that? This is so. This is a 78, and you can see That's the G. Nice uniformed. That's yeah. still hand done. Oh, really? Mm. They do. It was early in the day, and they hadn't started drinking yet. Well, I, you can see, it's like the tools were sharper. See how the yeah. leg of the G just kind of goes goes. Whoop. But I've never seen. I've never seen two that are exactly identical. I mean, they got to have some kind of stencil or something to do. I mean, they're not just doing it. They might. They may have had a, a, one of the pantograph-style machines at first, and then it broke, and then they just said the hell with it and just started doing it with a... <laughs> red <-o> pencil <laughs> or something. <laughs> but if you, the Romy G kits before 80 are much nicer. 80, 81, 82, still nice kits. 82 to 84, they start getting rough. Like the machining and the pin quality and things like that. Uh, so there's a definite, de definite drop in. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's do that. I'll let's, be right there, gentlemen. I'll just step away. Okay. Oh, no, that's I'll fine. Right let's, let's jump to the kits now and, and talk a little bit about the kits and the, you know, because people are, you know, the kits are out there again. There's kits that are available. Um, they're still, uh, very sought after. They're coming out of the woodwork. They're coming out of people's closets. Yeah. So hopefully the price is going to start coming down if, if the market gets no. flooded with them. But not at all. That's what. That's why they're coming out of the closet. Yeah. So the thing with the kits, it, it, and it kind of it started with the barrel band. So pre barrel band kits are always going to just go insane and crazy, crazy, crazy. But the prices of them were so cheap. So there's been this bell curve of like the kits that we've got in, whenever they were super cheap, everybody was building them because you could build an AK kit for out the door like three, four, five hundred dollars. If you did it yourself, you could even cheaper than that. Well, kit builds are very labor intensive, so they cost a lot of money to build them. Well, it pushes a kit 
as the kits were getting three, four, five hundred dollars, then you put a kit build on it. Now you have a kit build AK that's twelve, fourteen hundred dollars, which is higher than anything else commercially. Well, now the value of those guns have got up to two thousand and twenty four hundred dollars. So now people are pulling their kits that they got in that that kind of weird bell curve mm -hmm. where the kits were still a good price, but to build them wasn't financially good sense well now they're worth more built so we're starting to see more of those old kits coming in yeah. so I, I think we're gonna start seeing some real nice kits but they are going to be ridiculously priced and that's just any kit not just any Romanians. Kit. any kit yeah um i'm seeing some that that have the they're pre-built they're already pre-built uh with the upper receiver barrel everything all you gotta do is put the furniture on them i've been seeing mm -hmm. several of those out there for sale um i think atlantic arms or whatever they're called atlantic firearms has some yep for sale uh i mean there's still like buying a you know 800 900 rifle so you and you still gotta throw the furniture on there uh i think i saw that they had an ak they had a short barreled kit um I think it was a J Mac Customs kind of deal, short barreled. It's five twenty nine. Um, for a populated receiver? Uh, no. Well, no. The barrel and I think it had the the gas on it, the gas tube on it and everything, but it didn't have the receiver or anything like that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes it sense. Had all the other parts it had the the gas uh, or the piston and. Um, well, the big the big price entry on the kits is the riveting. Is it riveted or is it not? Yeah, and that's the distinction of assembly versus building. Uh, even as much as you could say you're assembling an AK with the riveting, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, uh, there is, and we did an we, episode uh, on that with uh, Brian Keeney and um, Billy Chu. We had Billy Chu on and. You know, we went into the intricacies of of building your own, and you know, some of those you got to heat treat and you know and and do all that. And you know, they were going through tips and tricks of what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So go back to that episode. It was uh, I think it was season three. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but it was Brian Keeney, Billy Chu. Um, it was a really good episode. That's how I got into the industry was was build parties for AKs. Yeah, and we build them on flats, the flats like a sheet of paper but metal, and we'd fold them and bend them and. Well, that's the best thing to do if you're gonna in. if you're gonna you know get into this building your own. Then taking a class is the best thing that you can do. So if you can find somebody who's got a build class, um, they, it's they really don't do them anymore. Actually, yeah. uh, there's one coming up. Um, I want to say in early September, it'll be put on by um, Pioneer Arms ah. in Daytona, Florida. Interesting. And they're gonna have a, yeah, they're going to have, it's filling up real quick, but it's an armor's class, and you're going to walk away with a rifle. That you are, you built, are you riveting, like riveting the trunnions into the receivers and everything? Yeah. Because yeah, the, the, the ATF started sending all of us that were doing build parties, uh, like Jim Fuller and... Uh, some of the independent guys, 
they were getting letters talking about how they were facilitating manufacture of non-licensed individuals. So most well, of the yeah, parties kind yeah, of well, uh, I'm not sure how it's going to be done uh, by Pioneer. I'm just their, um, I'm kind of their, uh, you know, distributor, so to speak. But they, um, uh, but they, I'm sure they're going to do it with compliance of the law. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever that, whatever that law says, well, sure whether those guys can do it or cannot do it, or they might be hired. I'm not sure. I don't know how it's going to be, but there's the armors clause coming up in September. Oh, well, nice. So, so somebody could contact the Pioneer Arms and uh, and find out more about it. That's great to hear because I, I, I really miss the build party culture of it and the building of it. Um, yeah. Everything from flat, I still have my flat bending jig. It's in the back near the press. I mean, we haven't used it. I haven't used it in 15 years. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an it's interesting project, especially if you're not, um, if you're not under um, any kind of uh, time constraint or something. If you just do it methodically, yep. just step by step, it's actually kind of rewarding. And at the end, you... Uh, and you walk uh, away with you your know, own AK, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think I actually might have. I might have some flats. So that episode, Ladheads, I was talking about is uh, 4:42, and it was uh, Brian, Billy Cho, and Jim Fuller tried to join us, but he had uh, technical difficulties. And our buddy Drew was on that episode too. So very good, informative episode on if you're wanting to get into building your own AKs and. Uh, some websites and things we give on there links to, to where you can go find some, some cool stuff. So what is Joe grabbing? Flits, I think. Okay. So the Romanian, uh, AK, would you say as far as, um, rankings go in the AK world, where would they rank as far as quality wise goes? Um, uh, who Paul? Go ahead and answer. I'll, then I'll answer mine. Okay. Well, you, you know that it, it, we touched on that earlier. Marco touched on it obviously very well um, during the the initial import time. You know when they when they were scrambling to assemble stuff, and you know uh, were we getting the best stuff or were we getting the factory seconds? You know, uh, they they were keeping all the really good stuff for the army, and they're like, hey, we got. Connex boxes full of factory seconds, sell them to the Americans. Uh, and then, of course, we, we had the situation with the magazines where they were, and that was the big, the, what I remember as the big complaint was the magazine wells. Yeah. Joe, do you remember that as the big complaint, the washer complaint? People yeah. like, oh, the magazine wells fucked up and, and you got to polish it. And It's who did the conversion on them. Uh, I mean, it, just like any individual is better at something than others so some of the cuts were horrible and some of them once they started going into cnc manufacturing of them were pretty decent yeah uh, but again that kind of goes back to the dimples versus no dimples it was a compliance thing for importation yeah well, i find that there was a still the magazine th the well still an issue with some of the magazines because even they have these guns are not that i've got huh Dimples or no dimples? Both. The ones with dimples I've had more problems with than the ones with no dimples. Those so. will usually be factory 
factory double stack mag wells. And it's yes, yeah, typically more the um, U.S. Palm mags that have the issue in in the fit. Well, then you're that's also the talking. That's the polymer mags have to be a little thicker to keep the strength, so they have a tendency of being a little bit bigger. Yeah, uh, I, I've had I've had uh, imported AKs that would not run with polymer mags, like just wouldn't. Uh, but, you know, to be fair to the manufacturers, they weren't thinking U.S. Palm mags or P-mags or whatever when they were making that. Uh, if you can get one that'll run with P-mags or U.S. Palms, fucking great. Yeah. But if it won't, you can't really bitch at the manufacturer of the gun. You know, that that's like buying an aftermarket pistol mag sticking in your gun and it doesn't work and you're like this gun's a piece of shit and you're like well that's not the factory mag it's you know it's a pro mag yeah. and like you shouldn't have done a, that but, but sig like, mag and a glock remember, remember me early on talking about all those liners on the internet and stuff mm. and interwebs they like oh this doesn't work this doesn't work i mean for crying out loud if you have a set of magazines like those polish military magazines for a little better and uh, and you can't freaking take a file, or even at, at one point maybe take a, a sandpaper really and round those machine, you know, edges of, yeah. uh, on, on your magazine well, so your magazines would fit. I mean, it's just I'm just saying, freaking you, you useless human being. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, you uncreative stamp. piece of human flesh. Yeah, yeah. I and then they're stamped about it and then show your uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for for uh your idiocracy to for the world to see saying oh, my magazine's all fit on the freaking thing and it's like a all right well you're just telling me that you don't know what file is yeah right joe yeah <laughs> well Kini, i'm sorry Kini. i didn't to insult anyone but for you don't know what file is i'm going to use that that's a quote marco i'm stealing that you don't know what file is. Well, I got to practice the accent. Brian <laughs> Keeney has a, a really good. Right. Just do it. Go, Paul. He's got Brian Keeney's got a really good. I don't know if he did a YouTube video. I think he did, but I've 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 gotten the speech in in person about everywhere on the AK that can use polishing. He's like, you know, and he, you know, he's like, okay, you got to stock off the shelf. Com block AK. These are all the places that could use some polishing. Uh, <laughs> no way. I just got one gun for rework that was, came in as a Ishmash um, Sega 762. You know, the, the, the you know, what the was compliant it? Monte, Monte Carlo stock and all that, right? And then if you really looked into it, it's a solid, solid gun uh, produced in the same. Especially the innards of it, you know, like hammer and disconnector and, and the, mm -hmm. the trigger and everything. And uh, I looked inside, I opened the top car and looked inside, and somebody, like you said, like you said, Paul, somebody went with the polishing disc, possibly even some kind of compound. I could see my reflection on the hammer and then the freaking disconnector and the trigger parts. It was just polished to, uh, I don't know, to a chrome-like finish. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the gun. Yeah. And they so polished everything on the inside. I was like, well, this one's in process of getting denutered. 
So the, the other access pinholes were welded up and then blended in. It's going to get reblasted, reparked, and finished. So this will be this will be a complete factory Russian AK. And that's, and, what I'm, that's my what project it's today to on my bench. So. so I like, I really like the Sega front end. <laughs> I we did a lot of them, and I, I I like a lot of them with this front end. But so the, like, you know, I mean, uh, the people who want it converted, they want it, especially nowadays that they're not going to bring those guns ever again. Yeah. And people who um, want to convert them right now, they want them to look like in that book, like you know, one of those alpha operators carrying it on their chest, you know. And uh, so that's why that's why they wanted, uh, you know, probably get away from this solid uh, handguard. It's actually not bad. No, I like it a lot. I, I actually really, really like this configuration. It keeps your fingers away from here if you do a little bit further forward. It's sleeker, it's smoother. This usually goes away, and I put an Ultimac on it anyway. But I like the double layer because there's a little bit of air gap in there. It doesn't doesn't get scorching hot. Um, this one, I think, this one I think might actually be threaded under the hood. Uh, that so I don't know. Gonna... That's what I'm going to find out. See, mine is actually got those um, two welds on each side instead of the pins. That one will probably won't be. Yeah, yeah that one probably won't be. And yeah. I, I seriously doubt that it won't. It will be uh, threaded because this based on the 100 series, and the barrels on those are not threaded. It's the the front side block is true. Yeah, yeah. I, but I'm thinking this one. I'm thinking this one might actually be threaded. We actually pulled the pins out. Uh, sometimes we'll just ch we'll set it up in the lathe and turn it off, and then mm -hmm. pull the sleeve off and see if it's threaded. Um, but I'm probably going to put a, a 74 style block on this anyway, so we wanted to pull this one. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. I got to drill those uh, tag welding. Let's do this. Let's. Uh, is there anything else that you think the listeners need to know about uh, well, the Romanian? The, the, the original think... question from Marty was reliability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we so, got into Sagas. <laughs> yeah. So, but let's. If you want to talk about our dear departed brother James, uh, tactical response is rental guns for the fighting rifle classes were Wasser 10s that James bought when they were $299, you know, uh, and they had hundreds of thousands of rounds fired through them. Now, there was, I don't think, I think the barrels were all smooth. Uh, and James used to laugh. He'd sit, people would come and they, the rental guns and they're like, are they accurate? And he's like, you don't really know what it is we do here, I don't think. Um, but, uh, yeah, they ran those guns until the rifling was gone. So it, like hundreds of thousands of rounds. So the, the average shooter will never come even 5% to but what let, those guns Let's also run. be realistic. They were changing parts out on those, too. I mean, he didn't just get one and he put 100,000 rounds through one without doing some maintenance I, I wouldn't doubt that it did it just fine you and think the thing maybe a maybe a firing pin maybe a hammer spring but I doubt there was any major components on the majority of them needing at a hundred thousand rounds hundred thousand rounds isn't that much for an AK yeah. yeah I mean it is but it's not it's not like an AR an AR an AR you'd be lucky to get 30,000 rounds through one 
Yeah, I, th I think the, uh, the classic uh, um, what's ceiling for um, the AK per Soviet manuals was 40,000. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they would they immediately replace the barrel. They just shoot them to see how they do, and then probably extend it another 10 or 20 or something. Yeah. But it's all had to do with the chrome cracking, not necessarily wearing out, but cracking. Yeah. And that's it. Hey, Leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called Seal Skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm, inside and out, bore, barrel, everything, with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're gonna pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code Leadhead for a 25% off discount. But as far as like, okay, so to address the quality and reliability of uh, Romanian guns. And uh, it's, it all comes from how individual feels about the country of Romania. Whether he thinks it's some kind of freaking uh, big old village where everybody's ringing the, the, the cow's tails and stuff. Or it's a wonderful country with uh, a great... Um, tradition of manufacturing things, for example, right? So we don't know any Romanian-made cars or watches or whatever, but we do know that they make pretty good guns, okay? And uh, so you can uh, look at it that way as saying, uh, do I like Romania? And if I do, then I, if, if poop hits the fan, I'll grab the wasser. And by the way, I'm one of those guys that I would, wouldn't hesitate to grab it and go and, uh, you know, try to do something important. But um, at the same time, they start to compare it to, let's say they take a wasser off the uh, some pawn shop shelf and then go and compare it to their uh, Krebs custom gun or James Fuller gun. 
and say, oh, this is a piece of shit compared to this thing. Yeah, but this is two and a half thousand, you know, twenty five hundred dollar gun. This is six hundred dollar gun that you bought. I mean, so. Like I said, so you can treat it the way you want to treat it. Like you want to take take a gun. I always have this hand scratching test where I put the gun between my legs kind of straight up and sitting. And then I'll take my two hands and kind of rob it on both sides like, and see if I snag on something. Yeah, you'll snag on, on a wasser. There's no doubt about the sharp edges there. There's nothing, uh, you know, not deburred. And of course, you know, you take a Krebs gun, you go down this <laughs> smooth. Yeah. Just like you and, said, learn how to use a file, and, and you know, yeah, <laughs> no, not you don't know how to use file. You don't need to. You just you don't need to. You just treat it as a gun, as a, something that was designed to go into battle with, instead of uh, something to put in your shelf and then tell all your uh, boy and girl, look what I got, you know. And uh, so, the quality, the reliability in that gun is built from the design, right? So I often be in that, I, I, when I teach an AK class, we do the class portion of it before we move on to a range, and I write down all the myths about the AKs. And so not accurate. Okay, that's one of them. And re refer to what Paul was saying earlier, the gun in 99.9%, .9%, maybe 100 times out of 100 exceeds the gun's potential exceeds the shooter's potential okay so and the only difference between guy actually striking the targets and the other guy is peppering it all over the place is number of uh, a knowledge of that person's gun and number of trigger pulls that's all it is i mean i, I tell you an anecdote in 2001 a couple days before the towers came down me, David Forty, and Mark Krebs went to Russia to meet with Kalashnikov, you know. But before we did that, we flew into Moscow and we stopped by at my friend's base. He was the head of a Russian quick reaction force, you know, like a SWAT yeah. on duty. And they just, they were, they were they're celebrating because some of these guys just came back from Chechnya. The second Chechnya campaign was still going on. And uh, so they're there with the guns, with, the, with all this cool stuff you know and uh, the david is asking <laughs> david is asking he goes how accurate is this a gun sit uh, one of the the officers there sitting with the akm uh, ak74m and the 48 is asking he's like how accurate is that thing so i translated and they kind of looked at each other going like why is he even asking something like this but then one guy says well I spend my time at the checkpoint shooting the wires of a telephone pole. <laughs> That's freaking accurate, if you ask me. It's like yeah. wire, 505 round. And uh, so it, it all, uh, so the same translates to uh, AKM rifles and does to the Wasser's or Romanian guns. Um, that's as far as reliability. So the reliability is the next one. The reliability, and I, Marty, I already mentioned it in one of the podcasts. If you think about a gun, gun is a single piston uh, internal combustion engine, semi-automatic gun, right? If you think about it, so the, the, the pressure pushes the piston back, spring returns it instead of the flywheel. It's a spring that returns it, fires it, you know, ignites it again. The it's a single piston uh, combustion engine. Combustion engine. Yeah. So therefore, it is a machine. 
in machines, what do we know about the machines? That they do break, you know, eventually. It's just this one breaks less than the others. So this is by far more, more real, you can't say it's like the, the perfect reliable thing that never breaks. It's just more reliable than the next guy. All right. Right? Yeah. So, and, uh, and the reliability of AK goes to a design that's a widespread uh, componentry inside for all the contaminants, ability of contaminants to just, uh, just fall down to the bottom of the receiver and so on and so on. So, uh, you know, and the uh, Romanians inherited it. And um, by the way, um, just to tell you why the Romanians got a lot of the Soviet assistance. Mm -hmm. You know, they were a part of the Axis, right, during World War II. Yeah. Everything, everything in gun related in Russia, it all boils down to World War II results, you know, the outcomes. Yeah. So, but, uh, so they were in, uh, basically 128,000 of them died. All the entire contention of Romanians died in Stalingrad, whatever it was. And then when the Russians start plowing through the um, the western part of their territory and pushing towards the border, King Mihas, okay, which was king of Romania, Romania, then declared that that's it. I'm out of the axis. In fact, I declare war on Germany. And he turned he turned the Romanian army 180. And joined the you know as an ally to uh, you know uh, Soviet or Red Army. So at the end of the war, the top higher ups received this uh, victory order of victory, which is this big thing like this you know <laughs> you see in those Renaissance era po uh, paintings and stuff where all these kings and standing with big ass freaking yeah. orders. So the order of victory that was issued like a. Um, um, like seven or eight of them or something like that. Stalin had two, Zhukov had two, then all these Russian marshals had two. And guess who else got one? King Mihas. Romanian king. <laughs> right. So, but and then he got deposed, right? <laughs> By the socialist regime. But in any case, he so got shot. Didn't that's, he? <laughs> why, that's why Russia never had. Um, a base in Romania. They had it in Hungary, they had it in Germany, right? They had it in Czechoslovakia, but they never had the, oh, yeah, Hungary, but they didn't have one in Romania because they treated them as um, allies. Anyway, so therefore, like, once the war ended and they needed to arm that Romanian army, you know, get away from the bolt guns and all this stuff. So if you would look at, let's say, uh, Tokarev pistol, right? The TT-33 pistol. The Romanian version of it is the closest by design and and the uh, execution and the final product to the Soviet model. It's almost identical. You can swap the parts in it and stuff. And, uh, and of course, the Soviets paid attention to establishing the AK manufacturing in Romania, making sure it's a uh, it's a uh, you know good product at the end, mm. and uh, so that's why inherently the Romanian guns are, are very very good guns, and of course the maybe nineties uh, uh, when those Romax start to come in with the tilted freaking front sights and gas box, 
might have left a, a bitter taste in the in the American consumer. Yeah. Well, like you but, said earlier and, and, in Palma, but, we were getting we weren't getting their best. We were getting their you know, the military yeah, was getting but, the best stuff. The rejects. Right, but Jude, getting the blims. Jude deals with the kids and stuff, and he can probably comment on it more if he sees that those uh, military-grade kids coming in, they are very, very good um, basic set of parts that you can assemble a very good gun out of. Am I right, Joe? Or? Yeah, absolutely. All of the military guns, uh, so all the military guns are well-built. What you often see is when the military, the used military guns come in as far as the kits, they are quite shot because they're retired. They're, they're like, oh, we no longer have use for this. Let's turn them into kits. And then the ones that were imported as kits or imported for the civilian market will be the ones that are blims or the plus two, minus two trunnion systems, things that are oversized or undersized. But the quality was still pretty good. Uh, but there is a definite difference between the stuff that they built for active military use versus what they intended for commercial or what they repurposed for commercial use. But the quality of all of them is pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing was the canned front sight blocks. And this one, um, I don't know if you can see this. This one is a new manufactured Draco, which is one of the Dracos, one of my favorite ones. But you can see how where the drum is. Point to it. Uh, I'm trying to get a good square on so you can kind of see. All right, so you can see the drum, how it's not centered. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Talk about on the, yeah, the slide. Yeah. That's because the block is a really bad cant. And so we bought, I think, 15 Dracos for, with, with this batch of this one. And I picked it because it had a, a cool serial number. I, I don't remember why I got this particular one. But I kept this one for myself. And by the time I had a chance to look at it, all the rest of them were gone. So I had a little bit of a can on it. But you know what? This gun still... I can ring an eight-inch plate at 100 yards with these iron sights. Even though it's crooked, it doesn't affect the gas block because the piston is out of it before it causes any problems. And the sight drum has plenty of travel to take care of it. Yeah, uh, It's just an aesthetics thing. Use the sight, not the drum. Yeah. Well, the this is still one of my favorite guns. And I'm really glad that Century built or imported the AK, the, the, the Dracos, that was actually built off of the, uh, and Marco, help me out, I can't remember if it was an Amers 76? The, the, with the, little, the SBR with the front sight and then the Romanian wire side folder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they borrowed the stock from, um, what is it, AMIKP, whatever, the East German guns? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's my favorite SBR kit build outside of some of the cranks because of the Romanian. It's a Romanian gun. They're inexpensive. Uh, the kits. We used to get these before Dracos were imported. We would build these as kits as SBRs. Or we would put a permanently attached can on them as, and build them as rifles. But that's some of my favorite, still favorite kit builds is the, those Romanian. I, I want to say it's an AIM or an AIMER 76, an AIM S. Don't you hate yeah, the Draco, A Marco? A mirror uh, or something. A I M R seventy six or seventy four? I think seventy six. Seventy six, because that's yeah. when when yeah. Uh, the Warsaw Pact went to the you know sub caliber to five hundred five and 
And although for the Russians, they started working on it earlier, the uh, other uh, countries got kind of like put before the fact, like, hey, from now on, you got to make the guns in 505. And um, so the Eastern, you know, East Germans, they actually got a license from the Russians to manufacture. Uh, but uh, everybody else said, well, let us do our own thing. And so it's Romanians, um, Poles, and um, Czechs wind up doing their own 505 guns based on the AK, but their own way. Very good. Well, not, think, not an exact copy. I think you answered my question. So uh, in your opinion, the Romanian is a very solid AK. Joe's opinion, too, I would say. Paul, your opinion? Absolutely. Solid. Yeah. Solid AK. Goodbye. I mean, if you find one, probably probably can't go wrong with it. As far as the kits go, the kits are going to be dependent on the person putting them together. So, uh, any, and an original barrel or a virgin barrel build. Yeah. Uh, anything else kit wise they need to look for uh, in the Romanian if they're just trying to make sure everything's uh, coherent and and solid and it's all one that everything's the way it should be this, uh this belongs original this. barrel versus a u.s made barrel that's populated is it a true version barrel that's an original barrel uh so you might get a chrome line barrel that's never been populated and that would be still a vert what's considered a virgin bill because the barrel wasn't populated so you'll have complete kits with the original barrel that's going to be your your typically your best quality easiest build and then you'll have the pre-populated U.S. barrel builds. The pre-populated, uh, after they come in here, they'll use like a Romanian barrel that was factory made. And then after that, then it's the do-it-yourself where you have to populate it and do everything yourself. Um, it's just kind of where the window is. Uh, the kits will come in with parts like this oftentimes. This is a torch cut kit. So you want to make sure that the torching... Whenever the torch was done, it didn't hit any of the critical components. This one was a pretty well done torch kit. Uh, they didn't hit the trigger guard. They didn't hit the mag release. Uh, everything's pretty clean. But as I, as Marco was talking, and we were talking about the reliability, I was going to try and demonstrate why these things are so reliable. And I found a problem with this kit. Mm. Um, so... We were actually going to start building this sometime today or early next week. But there's a very, very major problem now that I just discovered. Is it a headspace? Oh. No. Oh. The, the bolt. This bolt should slide in. Yeah. And if you look, see this wing right here, this flat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At some point. Whenever, more than likely when it was demilled, somebody probably put it in a vise and ripped the sheet metal off. They crushed the wings, and now this side of the trunnion is caved in. Uh. So the bolt actually won't go in. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't kill the kit, but it's going to definitely be a challenge. So how would you fix that? You try to bend it back? You... We're gonna try and try and bend it back. It's not real bad. It? We'll try and bend it back. Uh, worst case, we'll have to heat it up. They're gonna mess up the get heat it treat. moved back and then reheat treat. Yeah. Worst case, we'll lose our matching serial number and we'll just have to put another trunnion on it. 
but they are forged, yeah. so they should be bendable. If it was cast, I would be hesitant to uh, okay. do anything with it. Zach says hey and bye. He's heading out for the day. All right. We'll get him on next time. All righty. Um, um, all right. So that 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 kind of reminds me of where the, the reliability of these are. These are forged components rather than, like, the cast components that, like, the U.S. AKs started with, which is how they got their bad name. Um, so I have a lot more leeway with this because it is a – this is a forged – it's a forged system. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do this. I think that that's good on the parts kits um, because they can go back to our episode that I talked about earlier, and we get in some good detail with with Brian and Billy on that, and uh, Andrew. Uh, anything else you think? I, I'm going to go to our questions, and then that may bring up some things that we uh, haven't covered yet. So let's go to Lister questions now. And Paul, anything else you want to add? No, let's, let's go to the questions. All right, let's jump into the questions. Uh, we'll start off with F FBS Murdoch. says, I know the Romanians had a Soviet license to the AKM. That said, what did they do differently? I think we kind of covered that. Um, the the uh, dimples. Going to 545. Say again. Uh, when, they, when they went to 545 gun, they didn't, they didn't get the license from Soviets to do the AK-74s. So they wind up doing their own stuff, which is they probably looked at AK-74 and they see that a lot of the parts, like especially the internal parts and, and the, the receiver itself was pretty close to uh, what they were producing. And uh, they wind up using most of the parts from AKM and just rechambered the gun in the, in the uh, 74. But for all, for all intents and purposes, uh, it, it's a... It's an AKM cha chambered in uh, um, 505, whereas AK-74 had 27 distinct differences uh, compared to um, AKM. Okay. Glotru asks, why does the Kujir emblem not have an arrow inside the triangle during the 1980s produced MD-63s? And I think that was covered when I read the blog from Factory 47. And it had to do something with, uh, where was it at? Here it is. The arrow in the middle of the triangle was part of the original Kujir markings, but was dropped to help identify parts manufactured for the 545 chambering, which Marco just talked about. Um, there are rare cases where the triangle is missing on trunnions manufactured after the eighties, but these are very uncommon and were built for civilian circulation. So for the civilian circulation, I would assume. Jerry Black, Marco, you teased us with a 3D printed can in your last episode. When will those be brought to market, and will Leadheads get to be the first in line to buy them? They are in. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, um, so as far as like a standard um, um, calibers are concerned, like 505, I mean, uh, 556 and uh, 762 for uh, regular AR and uh, like AR-10, whatever, uh, threads. We have plenty of those in stock. They could be ordered. 
and then uh, uh, when what's today Friday, Wednesday, and I went and tested um, the AK specific can, which is also now available. And like an idiot, I didn't bring it in. I can go and get it. It will take me about I don't know twenty seconds to go get it. But just to give you an idea, and I'm not bragging or anything about it. But I literally, when I was shooting it in the indoor range, which I had all the lanes around, everybody stopped shooting. And then they came over where I was shooting. They said, damn, what are you, what are you shooting there? And the, this <laughs> thing with the subsonic rounds is freaking Hollywood quiet. Nice. And I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you heard that expression, but. It's super you know, quiet. I mean, if it's not, it's super curse quiet. my eyes. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. It's so we have one that is um, kind of um, well. It's a comparable to any seven six two can, right? So size wise, it's probably like the uh, let's say a dead air Wolverine one. The size wise, yeah, but it weighs one third of it. Huh. It's still out of ink and nail, and. Do you want me to go get it? It's in the back of my car. Yeah, you do that, and then I'll let um, Paul fill this question. Okay. Uh-oh. Tongue for Twiston asks, does an underfolder make it more stable, or should you just stock it? Uh, the the underfolder doesn't necessarily make it more stable. And the, the whole purpose of an underfolder was, you know, going back to the, the airborne mechanized troops – uh, it's it doesn't make the gun more tactical. It just makes it more convenient to store and carry. And the reason I'm holding this one is uh, when it comes to underfolders, this is my absolute favorite. The uh, the folded stamped machine ones that that look like rectangles uh, tend to ride high and bite into yeah. your basically into your chin in your cheekbone. Uh, or your jawbone, I guess they bite into your jawbone. Your face. But this one right here, this that is, it's not, it's not. Well, you know, Joe, it's it's that semi-tubular. Yeah, it's kind of tubular. Kind of but, around. Yeah, some of them were tubular. Yeah, when you and when you shoot this one, it's not biting into your face like this. The the the, the folded stamp sheet metal ones really will bite into your jawbone. This one doesn't. You can shoot this one very comfortably. So when it comes to, because underfolders generally are not, especially AK underfolders are not comfortable to shoot. But the Washer UF, this is the the 10 UF, um, it's good. It's good. Yeah, but you may get, my, my favorite you one. might get a UF with any one of, I think, five different variations of underfolder stock. Hold on a second. Yeah. Now. Hold on a second. Somebody, is that your room that somebody's talking? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't hear you over them. Sorry. And I muted you, Marco, so you unmute yourself okay. when you're ready to talk. So anyway, yeah, that this one, I've got a couple underfolders, and this one's my favorite. Okay. This version is my so favorite. So to answer the question, no, it doesn't add... It's not more stable, so it's no, not more it's just, or less. It's just uh, more convenient to store and carry. Yeah, it's a stock it is looks, probably more comfortable. A a full stock is more comfortable, I would say, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, 
good question there. So Marco's back. Marco, un unmute yourself. Unmute yourself, please. I probably shouldn't have muted me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this right here is called a sickle. You know, I mean, uh, you know. Uh, App, AppTech. AppTech is exclusive distributor for this. they done by uh, Disavowed Company, uh, formerly known as a thermal defense. And this is a sickle, and we're going to have a hammer, which is going to be slightly thicker in diameter, but about this short. So it would lend itself into any kind of a compact um, type of a, like a Draco type gun or a KSU and stuff. Now, of course, we're going to be doing them in two calibers. This particular one that is available for purchase is uh, is in 7.62. And it's got the regular AKM um, thread, left-handed thread. It's 14, what is it, 14 by a half, something, whatever. Yeah. Left-handed thread. So, and it's a direct thread. Very nice. And it shoots like a, you would not believe. There's no overgassing. It's all uh, flow-through design. Um, it cools down probably uh, within the five minutes. You can actually touch it and stuff. And, and you uh, said that's that's made from Inconel? Inconel, 3D printed. 3D printed. Very cool. And is that, is that the, what did like, you call that one? Compared to like I, iPhone. Yeah. That's a direct five ace direct thread. Yep, direct thread that regular AKM thread. Is it a flow through style design or more of a baffle? Co correct, flow through. I see the orifices up front, so I'm figuring it was a flow through style. Yes, sir. Very cool, and those awesome. are very. Good. Check that we, out. We, we use absolutely nothing. I mean, it's uh, shit. I don't have a scale here, but I mean, it's just nothing. Yeah, and those are available now. You said. Yeah, they're available now for purchase. And where do they go? What did you say it was called? Uh, you can um, go to Disavowed. I think it's disavowed.com and get them. Or you can contact me and just if you give, you know, my information, they can contact me directly. I'll uh, okay. I'll organize the, okay. the whole thing. And mine's probably in the mail already? I would think it will be yours and the one remember asking for clays. Yeah. Uh, so I need I need your SOT though. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay. Very be cool. Close to near it. All right. Next oh, question. I, I do I do have I do have a hammer model right here actually. A hammer. Uh, although this is on the three hundred blackout, so. I think the hammer is the model name. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, it's the hammer sickle. Hammer sickle. Hammer. This is sickle. This is hammer. Uh, Performance-wise, they about the same. I mean, it's the same. I think it's one thirty-two, one thirty, or something like that. Very, very quiet. Yeah. But this, was... this right here is three hundred blackout. But it's uh, also we're gonna thread it in the regular uh, ATM thread, and it's gonna be called a hammer. So, in the differences, you can see the diameter-wise slightly thicker and it's shorter like an inch the 300 yeah. inch and a half shorter hey it's all about the girth right <laughs> hey wherever it's you a, get it's, a, it's, it's not the size of that's how you use the silencer you know <laughs> all right next question this comes from 
Midwest Savage, thoughts on the future of the 545 as the supply seems to be drying up and the price seems to be going up, up, up. Today's the good old days. These are the good old days. All right. I'm, I'm just going to comment, make my comment. You guys. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'd have a different opinion, but there's a bunch of companies out of like Bosnia, um, possibly Hungary and Turkey that working on the 505 supply. And um, so we will, and of course there would be some, uh, I would assume some American manufacturers that are actually going to step in and do it. To do away with that particular caliber it would be a um, very, very stupid thing to do because it is, in my opinion, is probably the best fighting carbine cal caliber anyway. And uh, um, and plus, the sheer amount of or sheer number of AK-74s in the, in hands here in the U.S. It just uh, it will be it just will demand demand it will be high, and then somebody will step up to the plate. But there is a work down the grapevine. There, it's in the works to establish manufacturers in uh, Eastern friendly countries. You know, friendly to us, Eastern European countries. As well as Turkey, so see yep. what happens. I guess I, I, I'd I, say if I had to predict, it will be within a within a year, year and a half. We'll see first shipments. Yeah, I think people are starting to realize that the panic sell-off of the AK-74s happened. Um, I guess about six months after the seven and six ban, and then to the point where after the Russian. Um, um, sanctions or whatever sanctions thank you the sanctions that set off another batch of them so i think you saw as low as ak-74s were going to get i'm starting to see people see the writings on the wall palmetta has announced that they're going to be bringing it that they're going to be loading 545 um uh, i've heard words of a lot of the russian belarus uh all of those machineries that were meant for the commercial line they're getting moved somewhere, and they're getting moved somewhere more friendly areas. Uh, that's uh, that's a great round. That's one of the Hornady rounds. I, I wish they still loaded that stuff. Uh, they imported the, bra the, the brass and then loaded it. I have probably 60 or 80 boxes left of that stuff. Uh, great shooting stuff. But I think 5.45 is coming back. I think it's a great cartridge. I think if you get a good deal on a gun, buy it. Don't worry about the ammo supply. It'll come. Seven and six has dropped 60 or 80 bucks a can in the last year or so because people are realizing that. But if you do get a 74, get some commercial stuff and make sure you have at least two cans of the seven and six on hand. One keep sealed, one in your mags ready to go because, I mean, this is the most effective round that's available for the 545. Paul. I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, like I said, what I do is I often go to like auctions and stuff, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of gun auctions and it would be somebody either retiring or, you know, maybe passed away or something. And if I find this uh, 505, I just grab it and buy it. Cool. Paul. You know, as much as I can. Now, you know that the, the Afghans refer to the, the, uh, the 545 as the poison bullet, right? It's devastatingly effective. Nasty, and nasty. 
the 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 guns are fantastic. If you get one, I, I've I've had been shooting them since well since they started coming in, and you well we all remember the good old days of fifteen cent a shot five four five. You know Six. when you get ham cans for one hundred twenty five bucks or Six whatever. Cents. Yeah, I remember six point nine or six point two cents. Holy cow! It was, it was when people were like, "What is this? We don't even know if we want it." And I was like, "Give it to me!" Explosive! Uh, oh, ah! Yeah, I, I I went through the first few years thousands of rounds, um, and yeah, I'm I'm one of those. I have a sealed ham can. I've got the apocalypse can that's not getting cracked. Um, you know, I've told people like, if you ever see me, if I ever post a picture of me opening that can that's the seal that's the time that's to, like one of that's like one of the broken seals right there uh, it's time to grab your gun yeah oh, no there shit. you go well since we're comparing our 545 man nice maxim <laughs> joe is showing all his yeah, yeah. flexing now he's flexing. i have a i have a throne of 545 at home so, uh, well, guys, see, for our, see those doors behind me? Is it stacked to the ceiling? Full with those crates. <laughs> I know where I'm coming. I'm coming to Marco's house. So, for the, for our listeners who are new into this, you know, kind of get what explain the seven N six to them. Okay, all right. So, go back to like a, a Soviet way of doing things. So it's never a one guy that designs something. It's always a team of designers. And the 7 and 6 actually um, uh, accredited to a woman designer oh. who came up with that particular cartridge, which is kind of like, you would, you know, kind of breaks paradigm in a way. But in any case, so the uh, obviously the Soviets realized how effective the subcaliber can be Yep, um, learning about the use of a uh, 5.56 cartridge in, in Vietnam during the Vietnam conflict. And they came up with this one, but they did it their own way. So they obviously based the, the casing and geometry of the casing, which is the bottle-like. So it's, it, instead of being cylindrical, almost cylindrical, or uh, 0.5 degree cant on it, they went with the uh, 1.6. So just the same as the 762 by um, by 39, and um, I'm about to run out of power over here. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, I plugged it in and they're just not taking it, I guess. But anyway, so I'll finish. Um, and uh, so the actual, other than uh, low impulse and high velocity of that particular cartridge uh, or that projectile, the projectile itself, the way it's constructed with the steel core penetrator surrounded by uh, lead, a softer metal and heavier metal, and with the air cavity in the tip. And what happens in the impact, two things happen. The tip bends at one point, and causing the uh, round to yaw really dramatically. And the second thing happens, the steel penetrator moves but pushed by the lead moves forward causing that round not just yo but also tumble so uh and uh so obviously they they achieved many things by introducing that round first of all making it uh it can reach out and touch someone a little further it can hit a target with a, a better probability so it's more accurate 
and it actually behaves much better um, in the full automatic range uh, rate of fire. And then it's um, lethality. So uh, a transfer of energy, I guess, if you do it scientifically. But anyway, so yeah, that's what happened with the introduction of that 7M6. Great round. Perfect. If you get a chance, buy it, buy it, buy it. Oliver is a personal protection and security specialist. He cut his teeth as a United States Marine before leaving the Corps to provide private contract work for agencies outside the military. In private security work, he's always looking for the upper hand and unexpected advantage. Keltex P50 provides all of that and then some. This innovative pistol chambered in 5.7 has a 50-round magazine capacity in its semi-automatic platform. Its small-caliber, high-velocity ammunition is a great personal protection weapon and is even used by law enforcement agencies and the Secret Service. Oliver likes that the P-50 has an AR-like charging handle and that it can be slung for access and shooting stability. The P-50 comes fitted with a threaded barrel if he wants to add a suppressor and the upper and lower Picatinny rails let him accessorize it with lights and optics. This pistol, it redefines cool. Innovation. Performance. Kelvin. Absolutely. Next question, yeah. uh, Carter 9407. What was the big changes from the PM MD63 and the PM MD90? Wanting to build a kind of period correct MD90 or MD63. Anybody know that? Let's look it up. I know the, the MD63 65 is 760 by 39. Oh, that's the aimer. It looks like an aimer. I, maybe that's a different name for the aimer seventy six. Yeah, that's where we kind of fall into the um, um, into the the trap of uh, playing with the numbers. I mean the, yeah, the conflict, the right? Because it's the commercial, non-commercial uh, guard, not guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh. So I um. I can't really um. So the original Romanian AKs were the pistol military models, 1963, with a fixed stock, and the uh, the PMMD 65 with an underfolding stock. Operating the PMMD 63 and PMMD 65 is basically the same as using an AKM. Uh, a carbine version of the PMMD 90, designed by the PMMD 90, was also introduced. It uses the PM MD90 standard wire stock folding straight receivers. Uh, still 762 by 39. Uh, it's more comparable to a Russian AK 104. It looks like it's an Aimer 76, but a different model number ish name. So he says um, it uses a solid folding wire stock uh, and has a slant flash suppressor muzzle brake. So. So basically, it's a Draco with one of these on it, kind of like the Aimer, Aimer 76. I would personally, the MD90, I'd go with the MD90 because of the side folder. There you go. We've got, so I'm in retail today. you uh, so retail like today. Customers in it. So. I'm kind of the same. All right. Uh, Bailey Mueller 80. Why no mass transition to 556223? They have been NATO members since 2004. The fact that they haven't left 545 for 556 in that time is unusual. 
And AIMS 74 pattern rifle and 5.56 would be like the Burrell we have at home, but still pretty sick. Well, we got two Marcos. We have two Marcos. His device froze. I think it's because of the people that are around them and ammunition supply. I mean, it it's crazy to go to an ammunition that your neighbors are not using. And that's, you should take that in real life. If your neighbors are 45 guys, don't rely on them to grab ammo if y'all get in the stick. Well, Joe, that brings up a great question. So with this, uh, the U.S. Army's, what the F are they calling this new, this big monstrosity shit? Yeah, uh, 6.8. The six point yeah, eight. So, how how does that jive with Stanek? And is every other NATO ally going to buy that? Well, they no, they're switching? not going to buy it. We're going to give it to them. They're, are they all going to switch? We're going to give it to them. So, I mean, they're, they're the same thing to have on five five six. It's just um, it's going to be on larger, faster scale. Uh, but I mean, we're, five five six is not going anywhere for at least 22, 25 years or so. Uh, so it's all gonna, always going to be in the NATO Stanag lineup. I think the 277 Wolverine or the 6.8, I forget what the 6.8 version of it is on this one. Um, I kind of dig it, and I think it's a great idea, especially to get that extra performance out of it, that two-piece cartridge. Um, there it's going to be really interesting to, to see how that works. Isn't there a 6.8 blackout now? I'm sure. Shut your whore mouth. No. I'm sure. <laughs> no. There is a. You mean the 8.6? Is it the 8.6? That's what I'm thinking. 8.6. 8.6, yeah. I'm dyslexic. Oh, dude. I've heard that's a as, badass as, round. As, as an end user, this is what I'm telling you. Our army is run by fucking criminals. They are <laughs> fucking criminals. And they're, they, they don't want to train the troops. They don't. They don't want to offend their fucking sensibilities, but they want to spend a trillion dollars buying new expensive toys for them. It's fucking retarded and it's criminal. The the fact that that our military, that our government is spending all this money on on new toys, and of course, if you if you just well fuck it, look throughout throughout history, you know, um, why did we end up with some of the stuff that we end up, ended up with? Because, you know, you've got lobbyists in Washington Fives. and they're buying Coke and hookers and steak dinners for these generals at the Pentagon and, to sell them crap. And art, uh, their, their kids' art. <laughs> yeah, their kids' art or whatever the fuck it is. Um, Biden's art. No, but the, 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 you can't buy your way around a lack of training. Uh, you can't buy your way around a weakened army. When you weaken the army by poisoning them, and, and let's face facts, our army has been essentially decimated. Uh, all of these super serious, hardcore guys said, I'm not taking your shot. Go fuck yourself. And they got out. The ones that stayed in now are sick. And they're also they're also slavish because they have the mentality like, well, I was told to take this poison shot, so I took it. And I'll do whatever they tell me to do. But yeah. getting back to hardware, this this mad rush to or to to buy uh, you know these new guns is and they're bigger and heavier. The, the you know this new battle rifle is larger and heavier, and we've got soldiers 
that are weaker Smaller than they've ever weaker. been. Yeah. Because so they're they, going to give them a bigger, heavier gun. They wear mini skirts. Uh, yeah. All right. They're... All right. Let's get past this. Let's go. Let's let's finish these questions. Uh, Nikolai. Hey, you brought me on, bitch. I know. That's great. <laughs> you knew the repercussions. And I like it. I like it. But we, we got to bounce off that. Um, in honor of Joe being on the podcast, Nikolai Aplanap says he is wiping everything down, down with ballastol. So there you go, Joe. Wiping down, not like filling up the bathtub and just dipping it. Just in dipping it. it. <laughs> um, Flood Munitions, uh, our good buddy Evan. When shooting the Lord's Caliber 7N6, what's the best method for cleaning out all the delicious, delectable corrosiveness from my sweet, sweet 74? Well, Urine. Pee on it. Nope. Pee Single on it. one right here, baby. This is your best defense. Go to get you some seal one. It uh, fights and helps prevent corrosiveness. So, well, can I comment on something? And I'm uh, I'm not a, say I'm a mechanical one. engineer, but not a chemist. Uh, but uh, just to kind of the basic uh, chemistry, uh, what you see as a corrosiveness on your gun is that bluish. I might even show it to you. Hold on just a sec. You got some corrosiveness going on in one of your guns? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. Joe's got one. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. This is more copper fouling yeah. with some light corrosive primer. See that bluish stuff on the tip? Back it off just a little. That's copper sulfate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, sulfate. That's a, that's a salt. That's what just okay. came out of my butt. And the salt it could be easy. It's very dilutable. And it could be washed away with nothing but water. But you can also use your regular hops solvent to remove it. So it's called unless CO1. it's brought left for like an archaeologist to find, it's not going to harm your uh, uh, metal to the point where it will dis, you know, disintegrate. So just uh, using a regular hops or um, you know, even if you don't have it, just a warm water, seal one kit will remove one. it, no problem. <laughs> and now the pr proud owner of that stuff, I actually uh, used it, so it works pretty good. And uh, as far as the good. tools are concerned, you got 10 of those. That was issued to you by our Lord God. Your booger pickers. Your booger pickers. There you go. Paul. Ten booger pickers. It's not a lot. Everybody has ten. You know, some people. You have nine and a half? Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hot, hot soapy water. Um, hot water is the key because it evaporates as fast as it can. Um, but yeah, don't be scared. Don't be afraid of corrosive ammunition. That's no. the stuff that's going to still be with us in a hundred years for our children and our grandchildren to be able to fight. The but here's the thing with Seal One, guys, and that's why I say Seal One is you put that in your guns before you shoot them. You treat it with the Seal One product, and it's going to prevent that corrosiveness that you're going to get from that. It's definitely going to minimize it. Uh, so it's a lot easier to clean up with the soap and water that they're telling you to do yeah. afterwards going back to that the native thing 
all the new ammunition that's being made right now is all the green ammunition, all the lead, all the mercury fulminates, all of the shelf stabilizers and ammunition is being taken out. They're artificially be given a shelf life of about 20 years. Past that, the ammunition is going to turn into unreliable. Once past that, it's going to be turned into nothing. Uh, so that's one of the compliance and one of the gun control measures that they are implementing on us is the shelf life ammunition. So don't be afraid of corrosive ammunition. It's still going to be there for you. It's still going to go bang in 100 years when your kids' kids need it. There you go. Yeah. Good point. Uh, a couple more here, and then we're going to give away shit. Uh, and I think we're gonna we're gonna do something different for the the, the Atlas Defense Silencer giveaway. We're gonna make them work. We're gonna make them work for that, Joe. I'm gonna I was make thinking. them submit an essay or something. Yeah, trivia, yeah, it's a trivia trivia essay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually. Uh, Her says, "Hey Marco, my bullpup with a bayonet is a Romy kit. Does that count?" Is what? <laughs> what was the last part? He says, uh, my bullpup with a bayonet is a Romy kit, a uh, Romanian kit. Does that count? Count as a Romanian. Counts as what? A Romanian rifle, I guess. <laughs> Did you guys, I mean. Whenever he, whenever he, they pick it up off your cold, dead body, somebody can put regular furniture back on it. So, yes, it counts. <laughs> yeah, you, I think I already expressed my uh, opinion on how much I love bullpups, right? Yeah. So. I, I I don't consider him as a as a viable um, a battlefield implement. However, it doesn't say that I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't have the right to exist. So everybody kind of like a you know everybody has their own taste and stuff. But the it's not the configuration; it's the guts of the gun. The idea behind it is what counts. And if it was originally a Romanian gun with the receiver and all the hammers and springs and stuff, and then bolt carriers and two locking logs and rotating barrel, I mean, rotating bolt, very uh, similar to M1 Garand, then yes, it does count. But to have a bayonet and a bullpup is questionable. <laughs> All right. I think they were just having fun with you. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope I... Uh, but you, I did, hope you, I, did, uh, you did a very distinguished job in answering that. Uh, Isom says, no question, but wanted to say a 12-inch Romy Draco with a CNC Warrior Brace stock fits perfectly inside a Harley-Davidson saddlebag. Looking forward to this episode. Here you go. Perfect. The Draco... As bad as a reputation it has and kind of gets the heart of it is a real battle gun. I mean, this is this this was a a military SBR style gun. I mean, this is now the micros and the mini Dracos. Mm -mm. Well, there's a question well, on that too. I didn't I didn't really want to get too much into that, but um, the question was basically why the mini and micro Draco. Why? Yeah, why why did why do they exist? America. <laughs> to separate what? to separate thus from the green. <laughs> but but if, if if you look at the uh, first uh appearance of that gun, right, back in the 
in the early 80s, so maybe even the late 70s, maybe, it was maybe to address, and I'm just spitballing right here. Sure. It's the same reason why the Soviets uh, wound up fielding the AKS-74U for their um, tank crews, helicopter pilots, um, you know, APC drivers and things like that. So to have a compact but yet compatible uh, type of gun in the battlefield. I was seeing if I could find who, who answered, who asked that, but. I think it's a great, and yeah, it, it's a it's a section to fit the niche that the that the AK seventy four used the cranks the suchkas were there for. Uh, here we go. Ryan Reisner asked that. What was the idea behind the micro and mini Dracos? I love the mini for a fun gun. Money money separation device, and yeah, they are fun. <laughs> money separation device. I like that. <laughs> oh, guns. I like them, but. The regular standard Draco is still one of my favorite platforms. This with a little six or eight inch can on it, it's perfect use. There you go. Uh, tongue for twisting, who has the best stock set since there are so many on the market? Oh, okay. Paul, who do you think's got the best stock? The best stock set? Yeah, on the market for, for an AK. You mean like aftermarket? Uh, I guess. They just says best stock set since there are so many on the market. So yeah, I would say aftermarket. Oh, you know, that I don't I don't build guns, I shoot guns. Uh, and, and Joe, I I I got a confession to make to you. Uh-oh. But back in the old days like 12, 15 years ago plus, I got an a, a washer with a dongle. And I immediately took it off and replaced the forend with with like a, a a Midwest rail system. And, and but today, I, I regret that. I I, I wish <laughs> you sand that one I down. Had my original dongle just for aesthetics, so it looked like it did back then. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate aesthetics more now than I did twenty years ago. Yeah, like, quite I, useful I, too. Yeah, but this, uh, this it so this, this is, what this is a uh, firewood. So Joe's holding up a four end. That's sixty dollars plus. But somebody that didn't like the dongs, they whacked it off and turned a sixty dollar plus four end collectible four end into a piece of firewood. Piece of firewood. I just had the um, last Saturday. I had. But no, here's uh, the thing. I taught the AK class, and one of the guys showed up with that thing, with the cutoff dongle. Yeah. It wasn't useful for them, so they, they made it fit their purpose. So, All right. I can, I can accept. Like, a lot of people will do the sharp hey, cut. Hey, they took your advice, Marco, and they used the, the file and the sandpaper. <laughs> All right. So talk about best stock sets. Stock sets. So you're showing us. The new alpha from Midwest Industries. Oh, yeah. So you got long, and they have a short version handguard hand with the M-lock that also supports the hinge mechanism for the top cover. And then it's the Zenitco style type of um, 
butt stack that is um, telescopic. It has movable cheek piece, yeah. and it also folds. Nice. And that's all one set. They sell this the butt stock. No, with they the sell them individually, but this is the the alpha, alpha line. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that. And how how I easy was that to install? Troy really Troy worked for three years on this stuff, and usually he sends me um, he sends me all his stuff like uh, you know to test or whatever or to write about, and he kept really really quiet and just kept on saying like wait until you see me at the shot show, yeah. And at first glance, I thought he uh, somehow scored the distributorship for Zenitko Company or something. But then uh, it was unmistakable choice ideas I incorporated in this thing, make it more ragged, more user-friendly. Uh, you don't have to modify your gun like in the past. You had to cut off uh, a sling attachment or uh, your rear chunian tang. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to do that anymore. Nice. It goes onto your gun, and if uh, one Is day you decide to swap it back to the original... You can do that. Is that a 1913 for the, the stock attachment, or is it? Um, yes, it is. So there's a block right here that goes into um, underneath underneath the, the Chunian, uh -huh. right? And then you got your uh, 1913 little Picatinny uh, section that you attach your... That you um, can attach that to. Nice. The, right. So... Um, he does it for variety of variants, including all the Yugos and this and that and the other thing. And originally, uh, so the way that his design works, if you fold it, there's a hex head, um, Allen key head screw that you loosen up and you can rotate the knuckle, and which means you can either fold it to the left or to the right, depending on what you want. Um, however, uh, with the new, um, but in that case, you had to modify the rear trunnion by cutting the stang. And then his new design that's got uh, uh, a block that you don't have to cut this off, but you can only fold it to the right. And in that case, I mean, I don't care. I, I like uh, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Too. So, I mean, I like it folded to the right. And in many cases, if it's a if it's a variant that's got the side, it's mount, got a lot of flexibility. You yeah. want you want it to fold it to the right, not to the left. Yeah, I like that. Very good. What about you, Joe? You got a, a preference on stocks? Uh, well, I like a lot of the standard AK stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of the left side folder, unless it has an optic attached to it on that side rail. Yeah, I do like a right side folder. Is probably my preference. Uh, I think the Magpul Zukov is, is a great drop-in system. It's nice, locks up standard. It's got a good feel. Uh, it's just as solid and as accurate as a fixed stock, but the portability. Uh, on the front end, I'm really liking uh, the Occam Defense system, but it replaces everything. Uh, great thermal thermal uh, movement, so it keeps that heat out of the handguard as long as possible. Outside of that, again, the Zukov stuff up front and then the uh, I haven't seen the Midwest, but the old um, RS regulate system that that went around like that. That's a great front end too. Yeah. Uh, but most Ryan's of my go-to's are gonna too. have a most of my go-to's are gonna have a Zukov stock 
an Ultimac up front with some robust red dot, and then whatever I can put my hands on as far as a lower. Yeah, I was saying uh, Brian also has some stocks. Yep, he sure does. Um, the 1913 uh, attachment style. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is one of Brian's struts. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So I, I really like this. I like his hex stock or what, what what used to be the hex stock. He's got a good story about why he no longer offers the hex stock. Yeah, he talked about that on the, the show about some people have phobias with that the, the honeycomb design. Yeah. It's like a real thing. It, it's crazy. Um, but that's what I've got on uh, the one up there now of his. I've got the non-phobia uh, <laughs> stock. Uh, yeah, so but everything should have. Here's one right here. Like all guns, all the pistols should have a Picatinny mount on the back. Yeah. So this is the one he's got wood, like wood panels you can put in there now instead of those. I'm not sure about the wood panels in the stock, but I do really like the M lock wood panels a lot. Yeah. It's more for aesthetics, I think, than anything. Again, it's to release the money. <laughs> kind of thing. Yep. I think that's why Absolutely. he made those. But then it's funny because look at all his little pointers. They're the honeycomb things. <laughs> <On his, laughs> well, here's the thing. If you if website. you talk to a lot of engineers and people that design things, honeycombs, it's one of the strongest structures yeah. that that's around. And man, man didn't even develop it. Bees. Bees did. Yeah. It's oh, the most it, it it's the most efficient use of space and it's one of the strongest structures strongest possible. Structure design, yeah. All right, that does it for our questions. We still got a lot more. If I didn't get to your questions, uh, apologize. Uh, hit us up on the next episode. But everybody is still eligible to win the prizes, uh, and we're going to start with uh, Mission First Tactical and those AK grips, which this is what those uh, grips are like. They've got two different kinds. They've got uh, the ones with the adjustable back straps and the ones that don't have the adjustable. Uh, and they're both very nice. Uh, I use them both. So for the grips, did you guys have a favorite question that you really liked? I do. Okay, what is it? Go, Marco. <laughs> Go, Marco. Quite, you know, it's close to my heart. So um, uh, the person who asked about 7 and 6. Yeah. Um. When shooting the Lord's Caliber 7N6, what's the best method method for cleaning? No. Oh. I think there was the one before that. Yeah, the other 7N6 question. Uh, thoughts on the future of the 545 as supply seems to be drying up? Uh, uh, yeah, because, Marty, remember you said, for those who don't know, let's get into it. Yeah, because, yeah, that's, that's what we, led to the 7N6. and then That's what led to the conversation. Okay, so that would have been... Uh, Midwest Savage. So Perfect. Mid Midwest Savage. Uh, shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com. I'm going to need your mailing address, uh, your contact info, all the all the stuff to send a mission first so that they can send you your AK grip. Very cool. Uh, next, let's give away the SEAL 1. And I thought I had it pulled up. There it is. Uh, we're not giving away a universal cleaning rod kit this episode. 
Uh, but they do have these available for sale now. They've got their cleaning rod kits. Uh, so what about your second favorite question? Um, let me just go through here and randomly pick somebody. How about that? Uh, I'm going to go with Raider214. Uh, and Raider 214 said, is there a particular Romanian rifle or parts kit that's available now that you see jumping in value over the next few years? A Romy G kit. Yeah. Unless you can get any, any 545 kit of any kind or a crank kit, any of those are going to, any of those are going to be high value. But yeah, that sounds like a good question. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. And then I couldn't remember what else I had to give away. So tray, you had the tray. Uh, well, we did the we did the grip, but yeah, we'll give a tray away too. How about that? We'll give an AK corner tray away. Uh, Thaden eighty three. How can you accurately distinguish? He asked that uh, MD sixty three and. An early oh wait, how can you accurately distinguish between an MD sixty three and an early stamped Soviet AKM? Is there obvious differences? So yeah, I didn't ask that one. Uh, the the arsenal mark furniture. Well, the dimples too. Dimples, arsenal mark Magwell. furniture, and overall quality and finish. Yeah. So there Did you, you go. say early uh, Soviet AKM? Yeah, between the early stamped Soviet AKMs and the PM MD-63s. Is there an obvious difference? Well, personal mark and furniture. The dong. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, and the dimples. But um, I'm thinking uh, at one point, Soviets start to paint them instead of just uh, blue and finish. That's another telltale um, from the sign, earlier but, ones. Gotcha. But uh, I think the Arsenal, like uh, Joe said. So. There you go, Thaden83. You win a dump tray from Mission First Tactical. Uh, everyone who won this episode, talkinglate at gmail.com. I need your contact info, your address, and uh, we'll send you your, your booty. Now, Joe, Joe promised a giveaway on a silencer. Yes, let's give away a can. And we're going to give away a can. We're not going to give away this episode. We're going to give away next episode, Joe, and they're going to have to work for it. So you've got to be on it then, huh? You've got a trivia question that you want to throw out there or? Absolutely. And and something that that was mentioned and evolved in this episode. Okay. So they would have had to watch this episode or been a true AKist. Okay. To know this, right. and yep. what 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 is the question? So, Jeff, what is what revolves around the AK round geometry that leads to its legendary reliability? There's something very important about the geometry of this case and this round, whether it's the five four five or seven six two by thirty nine. Why why is it made that way? So there Joe, you go. Did can I give a hint that? reference to our I think you discussion. gave a very very good hint already. Yeah, yep. so the answer lies in this episode. I believe it does. So yep. there you go. So that's one of the biggest so things a lot of get... people don't think about why AKs are so reliable. It's it's a whole it's a whole system. It's 
It's geometry. What, what a great trivia question. And they have to watch this episode to find the answer. They have to listen to this episode. Or to get listen the to it, yeah. Yeah. Or they just know it. Yeah. Right. AKA, AKA, why AK chambered ARs suck. <laughs> All right. So there you go. And Joe, uh, do you have the can that we're going to be? Giving away, show a picture of it, tell what it is. And you've got until the next episode. So you've got a month, Leadheads, to get your Whoa. your answer. So in. this is our new so we, we we just released our new dealer demo program. So we've got two Atlas boxes of silence. This is box A and we have box B. Can you wipe but your camera lens off? It won't. It's well maybe. Hold on, let me see. I don't know if it's just your camera if you're... i noticed it was super cloudy earlier maybe it's just louisiana no, it's worse. that's better no i'm kidding that's better i'm kidding all right so out of the box of silence we have our most favorite item our 22 can it's the lightest 22 can on the market 2.4 ounces lifetime warranted full auto rated uh 400 msrp so we'll give one of these away who needs a good 22 can? Very nice. Everyone. But Everyone you got to be in one of the 42 free-ish states. Yeah, you got to be you got to be able to to have it uh to win it. So uh does it come with that whole kit or is it just the can there? No, go. just the can. Oh, just, just okay. So just, just the can. Just the can. What's it called? The Copus 22? The Copus Copus 22. So there you go. That's the booty. And I need to introduce you to uh Kraken cases, Joe. You, I showed you this at uh, NRA, right? Yeah. The foam. Yep. I like that foam. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, 800 degrees heat resistant up to oh, nice. something like that. So you can throw a hot can in there. Uh, so there you go. Um, Atlas Defense Copus is the big giveaway for the next Talking Lead AK Corner. Don't know what the topic is yet on that episode but joe's going to be on that episode he has to be to award the winner yep. the 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 giveaway there uh so email me your answers talkingled at gmail.com put in the subject joe mo's question how about that we'll put, put put in the thing silence your giveaway okay silence your giveaway yeah even better <laughs> <laughs> leave it to paul to simplify things for us perfect uh, I love that. So silencer giveaway, and then uh, the answer to the question. And I guess I'll post the question also on social media for people. Is that sure? Yeah. And then that way they have to come back to this episode and listen to it. To... But let's say there's uh, let's say there's a plethora of of correct answers. So how do we pick how the winner? How is the what's the uh... What's the tiebreaker? So here's here's what we're going to do. Everybody who, who answers it correctly, uh, we're going to assign you a number. And then we're going to randomly number generate pick the winner. You don't want, you don't want them you don't like to that? maybe attract the, uh, the creative side and say maybe a five sentences minimum and describe... <laughs> Describe your findings. Marco's really liking the essay idea. Yeah, he really I'm, hits on the essay. I'm a essay writer, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send them all to you to review, Marco. So all you, right. So, that, so I guess the simplified what geometry the AK 
cartridges. The AK family of cartridges gives its inherent reliability. Okay, so Joe is going to email me the question specifically so I could put it up. <laughs> I'm not yeah, just transcribe what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> just email me that and I'll post right. it. Uh, but but you listeners have have an early jump on it, so there you go. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, guys, thank you so much time. for taking the time to be on. Really appreciate Joe you being on. Paul, thanks for being on. Marco, always appreciate you being on. Uh, real quick, everybody, give your companies a plug and where everybody can find you. Studentofthegun.com is where you find everything. Aclusdefense.com and all of the social media involved. Well, since we are a multifaceted company, the company name is AppTech LLC. And uh, since we do several things, I don't have a particular uh, web page to go to. But um, as far as the silencers are concerned, it's disavowed.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, where you can find the information on, uh, or you can contact me on my, uh, um, the direct you know, mark.varobiafyahoo.com if you have questions, and I'll be happy to accommodate and answer. There you go. Or if you've got questions for Marco, you can send them to me, and I'll I'll forward them on to him as well. That right, does please it. don't don't hesitate. I'm I'm very receptive to any kind of questions, and I'll be happy to answer. Very cool. And then you can also get Marco's book on Amazon, the AK-47 most prolific. Uh, evolution of the, the most perfect firearm. The survival and, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. Uh, all that other stuff. Evolution of the world's most Just prolific gun. Marco Vorobiv, and you'll find it. And uh, he's got a couple other books there too. Uh, Paul's got several books also. Uh, you can go to Student of the Gun. Um, you got you got a new one out, uh, other than the one you. Well, the the newest one for me is the Beyond the Boo Boo book, and then there's James's book. Yeah. What's beyond the boo boo, Paul? What is that? Oh, it's, it's, it describes my 15 year journey uh, to get people to just shut the fuck up and put a tourniquet on, save people's <laughs> lives. So, <laughs> that's the, is, that's the short version. It's a short. Is it a, is it on Amazon? Can I find it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You just uh, put Paul's name in there, and then someday, Paul, we're gonna do the the book reviews for. Uh, for you, boy. For Nicholas Orr, you keep teasing me with that. For Nicholas Orr. But, uh, yeah, Nicholas Orr's got the he's got the nonfiction, the Pipe Hitters Guide series, and there's three of those. And then he's got the Operator series, and there's five of those. Five of those too. Yeah. How many of you? How many of the Operator books have you read, Marty? Three. Three. Yeah. So you read Diomedes? Okay, good. Yeah, I got the first three under my belt, so. Looking forward to that. We're going to do it. We're definitely going to do it. So Yeah. But Leadheads, that does it for this episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Uh, tune in next month. And between now and then, I want to see your answers to Joe's trivia question to give away the Atlas Defense. Copus 22. Copus 22. There you go. All right, guys. Till then, out. <laughs>